the 10th of March, 2009, episode 107. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. Today we're going to be talking about a few different things, uh, kind of like the last one, and this kind of might be the uh, the format going forward uh, as we're doing kind of shorter podcasts and just kind of touching on a few different topics. Um, but there's a couple of things. Uh, I got lots of emails sent in uh, when I called for it, so thank you for, very much for that. But a couple of good topics that I wanted to just touch on at least briefly, and uh, one of those is the design theory. And when you go through school, you learn all this kind of, you know, this background, this, these theories and these rules that apply to how you actually make designs. And somebody wrote in on that topic, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And the other thing was, let's see if I can remember what the other thing was. Oh yeah, uh, kind of re-energizing yourself when um, maybe things are getting a little harder for you at your job meaning you are seem you know maybe a bit disinterested or you hit that block you know that roadblock and you feel like you kind of you're you're all used up creatively uh ways to to kind of re-energize yourself and get back into the flow of things so that's what we'll be talking about today on rookie designer few quick items before we get started. Uh, first of all, I just want to reiterate that I am very thankful for all the people who listen out there. So thank you for tuning in, for subscribing, for dealing with my uh, long hiatuses as they happen uh, have been happening pretty often lately. But uh, we are trying to get back in the swing of things, and I think we've been doing a pretty good job lately of getting podcasts out. Maybe not on time, but at least in a timely manner. Uh, so thank you again for, for sticking in there with me. And also... Um, Thank you to everyone who wrote in. When I when I asked you guys to write in and you know let me know what you thought of uh, the format or you know how often we'd been we'd be doing the podcast, everybody was very supportive, saying that you know it doesn't matter. Whenever you want to put one out, put one out because I love hearing it. So thank you. It really uh, it helps me to hear things like that, and uh, it, it's really you know it really just boosts my confidence and makes me want to do the show longer and longer. Uh, also, lots of people had great ideas for topics, and I actually have somebody sending in an audio clip um, in, in the next couple of days here, which will go to uh, a new episode as well. So if anybody wants to do that, if you have the capability of recording some audio, it's something that I always used to mention in the show before, but if you have that capability and you want to do it, you want to pose a question or maybe uh, give your thoughts on a certain subject, uh, something that I could comment on as well, uh, definitely send those in. Uh, you can pretty much record you know, in any format you want, just send it to me and I'll be able to stick it in the show. So that's definitely something you can do as well. But if you just have something that you want to bring up or talk about, just send me an email or uh, post it on the forum, rookiedesigner.com slash forum. And uh, we'll try and get that in the show as well. But thank you very much for doing that because it really helps, makes my job a little easier. You know, I have to think less, which is good because uh, I do plenty of thinking all the time <laughs> with all the other stuff that I'm doing. But uh, yeah, it really helps. And I want to thank you guys for that. Uh, the second item was, I was talking about a speaking engagement that I have, and that is coming up this week. Uh, if you're in the San Diego area, I believe you can attend this whether you're uh, part of the AIGA group or not. I'm not. I'm still not completely positive on that, but... 
Uh, I'm sure if you just showed up, you're, you're most likely not going to get turned away. Um, but uh, I got a poster from the guy who's who set it up, who got me to do this. And it says AIGA SDSU presents, and that's San Diego State University, a lecture for the rest of us and starring me, of course. And it says a presentation on freelance and in-house graphic design. Uh, this is going to be a lot about probably stuff that if you listen to this podcast, you've heard before. Um, me just talking about what I do, what kind of processes I go through and, and what kind of, uh, things I deal with at work, because, um, basically I was told that, you know, a lot of these people are in school still and they don't really teach you too much about in-house design work in school. You know, the, the focus I think is on designing for several different clients and really setting you up to be in an agency, um, and I think that is probably the goal of, of many designers when they come out of school. It's it's a great opportunity to be able to work in an agency. It's something that I've said that I would like to do also at some point. Um, but you don't really get to talk too much about in-house graphic design, so I'm probably going to talk a bit about that. Anyways, it's uh, March 12th at 7 p.m. That's this Thursday. And if you are in the San Diego area and you want to head over to San Diego State, uh, it's in room A412. It's room A412. And uh, like I said, if you show up there, I don't think that you'll be turned away. And uh, maybe I'll just have to say something to them when I get there to make sure that that becomes a reality. But I'm pretty sure that you don't have to be a member of this. And uh, he was saying that uh, we we're expecting a pretty good turnout. So that should be a fun event. I was going to try and record it, but... I think it's going to be more of a hassle than it's worth. So what I'll probably do is just do a podcast after and kind of talk about what happened, what went on, uh, try and keep track of some of the questions that came from the group, you know, cause I'm going to do like a Q and a session as, as well, or just kind of let them qu ask questions as I go along. So I'll try and, you know, maybe jot those down as they're going or at least get a, a, a bad recording at least of that. So I can remember the questions and, and I'll do a podcast after that. And, kind of go over what happened and what qu what questions were asked and what answers were given and all that kind of good stuff. So if you don't go, you know, you won't totally miss out because I'll be doing a podcast about it as well. Okay. And the last thing is our sponsor. This uh, podcast is being brought to you by GoToMeeting. And GoToMeeting gives you a way to do more and spend less. And that is because you can host meetings with people anywhere in the world and you can do it from the comfort of your own office and they can stay in their own office. They don't have to travel to come see your presentation. You just set up a meeting and they log in through their web browser and they can see everything that's going on on your desktop. And you're talking to them over the phone or voice over IP or both. So it's basically like they're there in the room with you. You can show them everything and explain it to them at the same time. Uh, it's also very cost effective because you pay one flat rate and you meet as many times as you want to. So you can try this for free for 30 days. You just need to go to the URL gotomeeting.com slash techpodcasts. That's gotomeeting.com slash techpodcasts. And you'll find a little sign-up sheet there. You sign up and you can download the software. Try it for 30 days for free. And in that 30 days, you can set up as many meetings as you want to. So go check that out. So the first thing I wanted to touch on, I got a, um, I got an email from Alyssa that was talking about design theory. And I'll just read you a little bit about this. 
says, recently I've been doing a research project and have been reading a lot of heavy and boring books about design methods, the design process, design thinking, etc. As a student, all of the design theory and philosophy is a pretty big part of my degree, and I find it I find a lot of it very difficult to understand and even harder to apply to my practice. What's your opinion on all of this theory? First of all, let me say a, a quick thank you to Alyssa for sending that in. And uh, I probably am not the most qualified person, I guess, to talk about design theory. Um, theory is something that if you are one of those people who has been schooled in in design, you probably had to go through this. But if you went to a school like mine, mine was more of a trade school. It was more of a hands-on, let's just jump right in and start doing things. Uh, not to say that we didn't go over any theory at all. We we certainly did. And that was the first class that I went into. And, and what I imagine a design 101 type of class would be like, you don't get to touch anything. You know, you don't get to be on a computer. You don't get to learn Photoshop yet or anything like that because uh, you have to know the rules first. And this probably is, I would say, people's least favorite part of school because you don't get to jump into Photoshop and start learning how to, you know, manipulate photos or or stuff like that. But, you know, it is the important part. Um, So I didn't have a whole lot of this in my school, but, you know, if you go to a a four-year college or even community college, you probably are going to get a lot of this stuff. And it absolutely does have its place. It might not seem like it at the time. It might seem just boring. And, uh, you know, a lot of it probably is, but it does have its place. And I think, you know, once you're out designing in in the field for, you know, at least a few years or a couple of years, you're really going to find connections between what you learned and what you're actually doing in your job. The hard part is... Um, you know, you kind of just have to read about this stuff and talk about it in class. And you maybe aren't always getting a, a good picture of what it really means to your your job or what your job is going to be. Um, but this particular thing makes reminds me of, of a conversation that came up in my video production class about rules and rules and theory, I guess, kind of both go in that same boat. And that was, you know, if you want to do something kind of out of the norm, if you want to actually break the tradition, break the rules or the traditional theories that have been used in the particular design that you're doing, you really need to know the rules first. You can't just go breaking rules just because you want to. You have to know why those rules were put in place uh, in the first place. And this particular one had to do with um, lighting, so the example here and really could be used for photography as well is, you know, you have a basic scene lighting setup. It's the three-point lighting setup. So you're going to have uh, a key light, you'll have your fill light, and then uh, maybe a backlight as well. And this is just a way of, you know, making things look good. This is this is the traditional method of making video or a picture look like the pictures that you've seen, the professional pictures that you've seen. Um, and I think the first thing, this, this was kind of a speech that our teacher was giving us before we went out on our first project, which was to actually go out and capture some video and, you know, then of course edit it down and and do all the stuff that we would do for our project. But he was talking about, you know, some people have gone out on this project and they just said, you know, we're not going to use 
the regular lighting. We're just going to try and do it with the natural light that comes from either, you know, inside a room or outside. And this is not the typical way of doing things. Even if scenes are shot outside, you typically will still have some sort of lighting to, um, you know, to achieve the look that you're, you're shooting for. So, um, of course he said, you know, this didn't work because they didn't understand what, you know, what the different lighting, what, what the different lights were for that you usually use. You know, there are specific purposes and there are ways to get around that, but you need to know why those lights are there in the first place so that maybe you can kind of replicate that same kind of thing if you're shooting outside or in things to replicate, you know, the, the, the purpose for the lighting in the first place. So, you know, the point of the story was, of course, you need to know why the rules were there. You need to know, you know, the rules are set there for a purpose because it, it makes things look a certain way. It makes the design turn out a certain way. So you need to know, you know, why that is so that when you're disobeying those rules, you either know how to recreate that or how to get the effect that you're going for that maybe is completely going against what that rule was put there for. Um, hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. It sounded kind of like a, a lot of gibberish to me, but um, so, you know, there's, there's lots of things that go into this. And even when we're talking about print media, there's been a lot of studies done, probably thousands and thousands of studies done about you know, how people read a magazine page, you know, what order they read it in. So there, there are basic rules to set up to, you know, what gets the color? The color usually goes on the, the item that you're, you know, trying to grab the attention with. Um, where do, where does the logo go for the company in the, in the magazine ad? Um, where is your main copy, the headline? You know, these all go in certain areas because people look at a page a certain way. You're not going to put the title at the bottom because a title is generally what, you know, what you use to draw the interest into actually reading the body copy. So you want that to be near the top because the person is going to look at the top of the page most of the time. Now, that's not to say that every magazine ad has always done this because it's not that way. People break the rules. But knowing these rules, knowing that there is a certain way that people look at the magazine ad helps you to, to kind of break those rules and, and know, well, I, I should be able to get away with this. Or if I do this, it's going to look so out of the norm that it's going to make the person look at the page differently than they look at every other page. So again, knowing the rules and why they're there is going to help you to be able to break those rules if that's what you want to do or to follow them so that, you know, your reader reads the, the article like you're hoping they will. And this has been, you know, this kind of information is out there for not only magazine ads, but also how people view web pages, which is even more critical because, well, I guess it's it's very similar. A magazine ad, though, they own the magazine, though. Chances are they'll see it again. Uh, for web design, if they go to your web page and decide to click away, they may never go back again. So uh, there's a lot of information like that on landing pages as well for websites. Uh, certain things that you want to get across, certain rules of, you know, if you do A, then B will most likely happen. So um, a lot of this stuff is, I, I will say, kind of boring, but it's it's very, very valuable information. And the last thing that she actually asked me, do you have any suggestions of books that aren't so dull and perhaps slightly more practical? I do not. I haven't, to be honest, haven't read a whole lot of 
books on theory since my school days. I mean, I try and pick up things here and there, but uh, I don't a- actively go out and search for books on theory. It's usually things that I pick up um, either from doing research for a project myself that I'm doing or just reading different things on the web. Uh, reading other people's experiences, I think, is the best way to get this information and have it maybe not be so dull, which is, of course, what I'm trying to do right now. So hopefully it's working. But um, yeah, I think what's lacking sometimes is, and this this is a problem that I, I kind of had with math also when I was in school, is once you get up into the, the higher maths, there's all these theories but if you don't see the actual practical application of it, it makes it kind of hard to understand um, what it's talking about or why it's even there in the first place. And um, that's why I say it's it's best to hear other people's stories about, you know, why is this stuff useful? Because it gives you a practical application. And like I said, once you get into the working mode, once you're out there working for a year or two, I think you'll start to see these things and their importance but it really takes actually doing real projects and not just doing a fake project in school to to show you what the worth of that. And also, you know, you get out in jobs and you'll you'll be working with other people and they will also be able to help you to understand what the significance of that theory is. But um, let me just say that it, it does make a difference. It is useful, of course. Otherwise, they wouldn't be teaching it to you. I'm sure you know that. But um, there is there is a practical application for every a uh, bit of theory that you're learning in these classes. Um, one thing I wanted to bring bring up, and it actually somewhat relates to this, I think, um, something that's been in the news lately. You've probably heard a bit about focus groups and you know what they do. They, they'll actually bring a group of people in. And this is something we used to do at my job. They haven't done it in a really long time, and they probably need to. Uh, I think they talk more to their current customers than they do just kind of random people. But a focus group usually is, um, it, it can be any group of people. I mean, it could be completely random people. It could be, like I said, people that are already customers of your company. Um, it could be a mix of those two. It could be a lot more specific than that as well. But it's people who are going to come in. It's it's kind of like an outside opinion of, you know, we're not immersed in your business, so we don't know really anything about it except for what you show us. So it kind of gives an unbiased opinion uh, as to what's going on. So um, what happened is Tropicana Orange Juice recently changed their packaging. They changed, I think they changed their logo as well. Uh, I'm sure all of you have seen the new Pepsi logo also, which uh, is uh, less than desirable in my opinion. But uh, Pepsi company owns Tropicana and they did kind of a rebranding of Tropicana orange juice as well. Well, what happened is the package looked completely different. And as you probably know, if you drink orange juice or you've been to the store and seen the orange juice aisle lately, there are about a half a million different kinds of orange juice now. And because they changed the packaging on their orange juice, those faithful Tropicana orange juice drinkers went to the store and and were like, what's going on? I can't find my regular orange juice because they're used to seeing the old package, which said Tropicana on it and had like the little orange with the red and white striped straw sticking in it. And now it's like, has kind of an orangish tint to it. Tropicana is like running up the side of it and it just says a hundred percent orange. And, uh, it, it just looks completely different. 
the design is completely different. And people, I guess, got to the point where they were complaining because they couldn't find their orange juice. So now what's happening is Tropicana is reverting back to their old packaging. They're going to just ditch that. They probably spent thousands and thousands of dollars to recreate this packaging, and now they're just going to go back to the old one. And uh, I'm... I don't I, I don't think I've read anything to st to say that they really didn't do their research but this kind of shows you the the power of the people the power of your audience and you don't just go changing things without telling them another example is um I have a cat so I buy the I think it's the science diet cat food and they were actually changing their packaging as well uh, one thing that they did that I didn't like first off the bat is they change the color. Okay, so there's like a certain color for this age of cats and a certain color for this age of cats, and they change the color. I thought that was kind of a bad move, but the good thing that they did is on the older packages before they switched, they would put these little flyers on there that says, we're changing our packaging, we're changing our look, and they would show you what it's going to look like. I thought that was a very smart thing to do, a very um, a very good transition tool so that I know, even though I did end up going to the store and was like, whoa, what happened? Um, but I remembered reading that. I was like, oh, okay, now I remember. So now I know I, I have to actually read the package and make sure it's the same one that I used to buy. But a very good transition tool on their part to make sure that the consumer is aware of the fact that something's going to change. It's not just like all of a sudden you go to the store and you can't find it because it looks different. So uh, back to the point, which is um, you really have to consider your audience. And I guess this could be considered some kind of theory that there is comfort in recognition or comfort in you know, things always being the same. Like I always go to the store and my Tropicana orange juice always looks the same way. And that's comforting to me because I know I can always find it. I don't have to necessarily read all the packages. I know what it looks like. When I see it, there it is, I can buy it. So uh, going back to focus groups, uh, who knows what kind of research they did when they, when they were coming up with this new branding. But somehow, even if they did do a focus group, they didn't get the person in there that said, hey, I'm not going to be able to find this on the shelf because I don't know, you know, if I don't know that you're changing what it looks like, then how am I supposed to find it? You know, I'm going to be looking for the old package and here's this new package that looks absolutely nothing like it. It's just going to confuse me. So, you know, there there are those certain things like that and... I don't know, just kind of, it kind of reminded me of something that might fall into the same topic of, you know, having, uh, having different theories about, you know, how people view the artwork and certain rules to follow. And I thought that was a pretty good one is if you're going to change everything about the way your product looks, then you need to have some kind of advertising, some kind of transition to let people know that that's happening. Um, of course, Pepsi is all over the TV. And they have huge billboards that I've seen and they have, you know, graphics on the side of buses and stuff. So I think that was a little bit easier. Plus, Pepsi is a humongous, a humongous product. You know, it's something that people see, you'll see on a daily basis. And I don't think it, that was that shocking of a change. Also, the cans do look a little bit different. The logo does look a little bit different, but it's very similar to what it was. So it's not going to be like, it's not going to be like this Tropicana thing where, Here's a new thing, a new package that looks absolutely nothing like the old one.
So um, just a couple of thoughts on that. But all in all, you know, like I said, the theory stuff probably is a little disinteresting when you're in school. It might not make a whole lot of sense to you. But uh, there are things that are going to come up when you start getting out there and working that are going to make a lot of sense to you all of a sudden. You might look back to school and be like, oh, yeah, I remember studying about this, and, and this is what it means. This is, this is the context in which I was going to use this information. So as far as uh, help with not having to read boring books, I, I'm sorry, I can't help you there because I don't, I don't really know the books that, that you could be reading instead. But I'd say just look, if you, if you read something in school, you're reading about some kind of theory or some kind of practice that's been around, I would say search for it, just Google it, search for it on the internet, and maybe you can get some kind of personal accounts of people who have used this information in a certain way, and that will really help to solidify the information for you. All right, so the next one is also came from an email, and it's from Terry. So I want to thank you, Terry, for sending this in. Uh, let's just scan through here and find... Uh, this came from the podcast that I did about fears. And she says, it has been very busy, uh, but that was my fear is not doing my job at work. I felt like I was uh, blocked. So taking classes would actually help me to push through what I need to overcome. And um, so basically what she's talking is hitting that that point where you feel like maybe your creativity is is at its end. It's of course not at its end, but you just kind of hit these roadblocks sometimes where you feel like, man, I just don't even want to be doing this right now. And uh, I think we can all we can all kind of uh, appreciate this because I've definitely hit a couple of points in my career where I was like, I just I didn't even want to look at my computer. I didn't even want to be doing it at all. I felt like I couldn't think of you know, anything to, to help me progress in my projects. And I thought this was a great example of a, of a perfect way to re-energize yourself. I've always said that, I've always preached, maybe I should say, that taking classes or just continuing your learning is always something that you need to do just to stay afloat in this field. Uh, the way the software changes all the time, Everything is, is kind of getting bigger and better all the time. There's new features. You always have to keep learning this stuff or you're going to fall behind very quickly. What I think I didn't mention, though, is learning is a great way to kind of re-energize yourself and get yourself excited again about designing. And going through books and watching video tutorials, um, such, such as the ones that I put out, is a good way to do that. But, you know, learning techniques isn't always the way to re-energize your creativity either. Uh, it can help you in that you get excited about using the programs and, and maybe that gets it going. But I think going back and taking some classes is a great idea. Taking some of those, uh, maybe some of those theory classes. Because now you've been out there, you've been working for a while. When you go back and you, and you study some of these theories, some of the, the background behind designing, it can be a little more beneficial, I think, because it'll make sense to you because you've been out there doing it. But no matter what class you take, um, sometimes you could just Maybe you don't do photography, but you're going to go and take a photography class because it's going to inspire you. It's going to give you a different way of looking at things. I think any kind of class like that is an excellent idea and can really help you get in the mood to do design again. 
Uh, it's something that I've been absolutely looking into. I've done it a couple of times. Uh, something I've been looking into, though, has been doing that photography class, uh, maybe even going back and doing the film photography and, and learning all that kind of stuff as well. Um, it just it's it's something that I think would really help me. Uh, I don't do photography for my job necessarily. Sometimes I kind of get forced into taking pictures of people for websites and stuff like that, but you know nothing really artistic. So um, I just feel that that doing that it gives you a different perspective on things, and it might not relate exactly to what your job is. Like you know, I do web design a lot, and that really isn't going to have a whole lot to do with web design. But it kind of, like I said, it it, uh, it gives you a new perspective on things, and I thought that was a very good thing to bring up. The other point that she had in her email it says, so far the class is really refreshing. And and it's refreshing to hear things in another way. And I think this is another good point, is you get uh, somebody else's perspective. I was talking about that just a few minutes ago. Getting someone else's perspective, uh, even about things like theory and how they use it practically in their day-to-day, is really going to shed some light on things for you in a different way. You know, it's it's most likely the reason that you listen to this podcast because I give my account of what I've been through, of the things that I deal with on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, that's something different for you to hear. And maybe, you know, every once in a while, I'll talk about something that you've been through also. And that kind of gives you that, hey, you know, I've been through that, but it was different this way and this way. And you're telling me that when you went through it, it was like this and that it really kind of gives you something to go off of. And uh, for some reason, it just... It, it just is kind of refreshing uh, because, you know, I think we get so immersed in what we do ourselves sometimes that you kind of forget to pick your head up and look around and see what's going on around you and see how things are affecting other people because everyone has their own way of dealing with issues. And when you boil it all down, graphic design is dealing with issues. You're solving problems all the time. So, everybody's going to have their own way of doing things. And if you only look at your own way of doing things, uh, chances are you're going to get into this mode where everything comes out the same every time. And that's really the, the struggle is to kind of look at what's going on around you. Look at the way different people are doing things. We always say it's good to go to other sites or look at other people's artwork and get ideas from that. Not necessarily plagiarizing or stealing the ideas, but kind of incorporating something that you see that you like into your own workflow. And that's those are the things that make your stuff turn out different and not just become that kind of, um, I guess, response, just kind of calculated response to where it always seems to come out the same way. Um, but yeah, getting that different perspective from other people, I think is a very important thing and can really work to benefit your own design and your own processes and your own workflow. And that's that's basically why I'm here. You know, this is why we do this. This is why I do the App Clinic video podcasts so that people can see, you know, even if you have a different way of doing something, you can see my way and see that, you know, maybe there is something, maybe there's some things that I do or about the way I do things that can be incorporated into the way that you do them and vice versa. You know, I've gotten plenty of information from other people as well. And I love it when somebody shows me a different way of doing something that, that I do because it gives me that different perspective. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is make sure that you take the time to learn from others around you 
And if you do have the time to go and take a class or, you know, maybe take an online class or just find some something, find a book, you know, that someone has written about their their accounts of working in the, the design field or, or working creatively at all, then I think that's a good thing for you to, uh, you know, check out because only good things can come from that. It's a win-win. Every time you're going to do something that's going to educate you a little bit more about your field and also provide you with maybe a different perspective of how, you know, other people do things, then only good could come from that. So I definitely uh, think that's a great idea. And again, thank you for sending that in, Terry. I thought that was a very, very good uh, example of something that can really help re-energize you, get you back into the flow of things, and uh, get you past that roadblock that you, you know, sometimes fall into. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. All right. Our bullpen entry for today is a new website that I just found. I actually haven't been able to get in there and create anything yet, um, but it's called Artesian, and it says that it is a beta. But what this is is a website that allows you to build a portfolio of your work for free. So I, de I definitely think anybody who needs a portfolio, you should absolutely check this out. Um, it's at artesian.com. That's A R T. ICIAN.com. And of course, you can go to the Rookie Designer podcast uh, webpage and look in the show notes for the link to that if you want to just do it that way. RookieDesigner.com. I will have the, uh, the link in there so you can just go straight to it. But uh, like I said, I haven't had a chance to get in here. Um, just from looking at the, the front page, though, it looks like there's a lot of great work on this site. But, uh, you know, a free place to put all your artwork sounds like a pretty good deal to me so go check that one out so that's going to do it for this show uh, again if you're in the san diego area and you want to come check me out on thursday let me just pull up the info one more time you are going to want to go to san diego state university uh, it's march 12th which is this thursday at 7 p.m and that's room A412. That's A412. And I'll be talking about some different uh, in-house graphic design and freelance stuff there. Like I said, a lot of the same stuff that I cover on this show, but uh, could be interesting because I actually have to talk in front of people this time. Yeah, that'll be cool. Uh, anyways, yeah, if you want to check that out, then uh, show up there. And... Uh, Thank you guys for listening once again. And thanks for all the wonderful emails. People just, some of you just sent in some uh, encouragement emails, which I always love to read. And uh, pardon my not answering them in a timely fashion either, because, uh, you know, I just, I don't get around to that as often as I know that I should. But I do try and answer everyone's email, at least at some point, even if it's like three months later. So hang in there if you're waiting for that, uh, that uh, reply to it. But thank you again. Thank you for sending those in. Thank you for those who are sending in topics. And if you want to send in a topic, please do so. Uh, the email is rdpodcast at gmail.com. That's rd as in Ricky Designer, rdpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to the forum, rookiedesigner.com slash forum and put some ideas up there if you want, or just interact with all the people up there, which is a cool thing to do as well. And... Uh, yeah, so thanks for doing that, and I guess we'll be talking to you next time. Just remember that everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's 